Welcome to Untangle, the podcast from Muse, the brain-sensing headband that helps you build or deepen your meditation practice and helps to keep your brain healthy, and Meditation Studio, the five-star app. I'm Patricia Karpis. This week, we have Ariel Garten, the co-founder of Muse, as our guest interviewer. And since it's back to school time, her topic is mindfulness and schools. Now, here's Arielle. Thank you, Patricia. Hello, everyone. Today, we have a really fascinating and inspiring story for you. My guests today, yes, I have three of them, not just one. My guests are Andreas Gonzalez and brothers Ali Smith and Atman Smith. They are pioneers in bringing mindfulness into inner city schools and doing it at a time way before meditation was cool. Today, we're going to hear their amazing story of transformation, both of themselves and the hundreds of kids that they've served. The kind of kids who never thought they were the kind of person who could meditate, or that their friends could be into it too, or that they could say, I love you. Andres Gonzalez is a Puerto Rican-American teacher, author, and musician. Ali and Atman are also teachers and the founders of the Holistic Life Foundation, a not-for-profit that creates mindfulness curriculum and brings it into schools, first in their hometown of inner-city Baltimore, and now worldwide. Their life work centers on bringing personal empowerment, healing, and love to marginalized and underserved communities. And I am excited to share their story. Welcome, guys. Thank you so much for having us here. Yeah, thank you so much. My joy and my pleasure. So I want to start with a little bit of background. How did you guys get to where you are today? Tell us about life when you were kids and how your project developed. I'm Ali. I grew up in West Baltimore in the early 80s. I grew up vegan and vegetarian and meditating way before it was like actually cool. It was just something we had to hide. Dad taught us how to meditate. Me and my brother grew up in a self-realization fellowship church based on Kriya Yoga, like the Yogananda lineage. Lost our practice for a really long time from when our parents got divorced through college. We got back with our teacher and got back into the practice. Our teacher is our godfather, Uncle Will. And then like, yeah, that was where we got really deep into our practice, not just the meditation, but the movement, the breath work, the off-the-mat practices and different forms of meditation. And he was the one that inspired us to start teaching. Yeah, I'm a father of two boys and I have a really cool pit bull named Kali. Amazing. And you've got an awesome brother on the line with you, Atman. Tell us what life was like for you in a self-realization church learning meditation when nobody would talk about it. We like to call ourselves, me and Ali, we were the first closet meditators because we had to like keep it secret and not tell anyone about it because we were from West Baltimore. We went to a self-realization fellowship church where we meditated and there's crystals in the window. So the kids in our neighborhood thought that was weird already and they made fun of us. And then we also went to Friends School of Baltimore, Quaker School, and they made fun of us for that as well. Back then, like Ali said, in the 80s, there was a song called Friends. How many of us have them? And they used to just torment us when we came into the house from school. So we didn't want to give them any more fuel to the fire. So we kept that to ourselves. But like Ali said, we grew up meditating and we got out of it. But when we graduated, we moved back to our old neighborhood, which was one of the most dangerous cities in America, where with the murder rate being high, dilapidated housing, open air drug markets. So it's a chaotic place to move to, to live in. And we had found our practice 
while we were there and we dove deep into it and we saw how it was strengthening us mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And when we saw how we were blissing out amongst chaos, we were like, we need to share this with more people. And that's what we've done. Amazing. And Andreas, how did you join this party? We met in college. We were buddies, party animals, and had a lot of the same philosophies. So we immediately bonded and started talking about how we wanted to make an impact on the world. And when we got out of college, our family welcomed me in with open arms and we all moved in together into the neighborhood Ottman was talking about and started the foundation of our own practice. I mean, they had to practice when they were younger, but I started getting into my practice and we started the Holistic Life Foundation. So it started creating programs, trauma-informed, evidence-based programs to help individuals help themselves. Amazing. So the work that you guys have done with the Holistic Life Foundation is actually quite phenomenal. You've made a lot of impact. Can you guys tell us about how it formed, what it is, and what it does? Yeah, I'll get us started, and then we'll make sure we pass the mic around. So it began early on with the after-school program. We had an opportunity with these quote-unquote problem kids. They wanted us to be football coaches for them. We were like, can we teach them yoga instead? And it flourished right away within the first years. You could see parents, teachers, administrators. They didn't know what we were doing because they put us in like this room in the basement far away from everyone for after school programming. And they thought, who cares? So long as we're getting free aftercare. And they would say, like, we don't know what y'all are doing, but just keep doing it because they could see the impact we were having on the kids. And these kids who were the ones starting the fights are now the ones breaking them up. And instead of us picking up 10 kids from detention, we're picking up seven and five and then none of the kids. And I remember on their graduation day, one of the young gentlemen said to us, hey, it was nice meeting y'all. And we kind of looked at him like, what do you mean? You could tell that he didn't have a lot of positive male role models in his life that stuck with him for a long time. We're like, we're going to be in your life forever. And he was like, yeah, whatever. So we took it upon ourselves. When they went into middle school, the three of us found out which schools they were going to, and we would go our separate ways. One of us would cover West Side. One of us would cover East Side of the city. One of us would cover the Central part. We'd pick them all up, and then we'd take them to a centralized location. There was a Druid Hill YMCA that we got memberships for them. And we started our after-school program. The after-school program was basically based on yogic practices, mindfulness techniques, and then we'd also do enrichment activities and help them with their homework, so academic stuff like that. That program ended up getting shifted to a elementary school, and then our numbers increased. So instead of us having 15 students, now we have like 90 kids wilding out in the gym, going crazy, screaming, yelling, throwing footballs and frisbees and basketballs at the beginning of the day. And then by the end of the day, all of them will be laying down peaceful, quiet, and meditating. And people would just keep seeing what we were doing. And I think as we started growing, something that really helped us flourish was the impact of a study we did with Johns Hopkins and Penn State, where we did the first ever randomized controlled trial study on urban youth and mindfulness practices. So we were at the precipice of like at the beginning part of it. Like we were right before this tsunami of mindfulness and yoga practices started flourishing throughout the nation. And whenever anyone would look to see about study, They'd always see curriculum written by the Holistic Life Foundation, which is the three of us. And then they'd reach out to us and we would be like, hey, they'd be like, how are you doing this? Especially in some of the environments and neighborhoods, areas that you're doing in, how are you getting the kids to buy in? How are you so successful? So we were the founders of these type of programs in these type of areas, and we were really good at what we do. So we started with that program and I'll pass the mic to one of these guys so they can talk more about how we started developing more programs and and moving from after school programming to in school programming. Awesome. A lot of your listeners out there may have seen the viral video that comes and goes where they talk about changing attention to meditation. That's our program, Mindful Moment Program. 
The premise of that program is the school gives us space in the school. So we turn that into what they call the mindful moment room, which is an oasis in the school where we have like oil diffusers and Himalayan salt crystals and fountains, inspirational posters, zafus, anything in there that can have the kids drop in just the essential oils. You can just smell it and drop in or even the sound of the fountains calming and grounding. So we try to set the room to have the ambiance to have kids drop in just walking in. But when kids are in crisis, they're used to dealing with punitive measures. But our program is more restorative and empowering. When kids are in crisis, they can come down to the room where our staff staffs it. And our staff actively listen because we're not counselors. We can't tell the kids, well, you should be doing this. You should be doing that. So actively listening empowers the kids because no one ever listens to kids. They always talk at them and not listen. Then we teach them about stress and stressors and how it plays out in their body so they understand who pushes their buttons, whether it's a teacher or a student or something like that, and they know how it plays out in their body, whether they clench their fists, tighten their jaw, shift their weight. And then after that, we teach them a breathing practice and a meditation or a mindfulness practice, which helps them achieve homeostasis and then they go back to class. I think the most beautiful thing of that program is at the beginning of the year, the numbers start off high, but because kids learn how to self-regulate, those numbers dwindle down. And the reason why principals love that program is because it boosts up test scores and bring down suspensions and detentions, stuff that keep their jobs. So that program is amazing. And we also have is other elements of that program. We have like a recording that's played entire school at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day to get the kids grounded when they come in and boost them up before they go out back to their home. What does the recording say? The recording is uh, practices. It's breath, belly breath to get them grounded, slight movement, if it's in elementary and middle, in high school, we don't do any movement just because kids, they don't want to look like they're engaged. They want to look cool. They're worried about their image. So in high schools, it's just the belly breath, then specific breathing practices, and then a meditation on the breath. And that has helped get the kids grounded. And even if the kids aren't doing the practice, the vibe of the school is so quiet that it does have these kids that aren't participating, dropping in and getting grounded. And then we also work with the principals, administrators, and teachers because turnover and burnout is real. We try to be able to support the whole school culture. And that program is flourishing. And uh, I think the good thing about that program, people have seen the success of it, that the Clinton Global Initiative has done a commitment to help us expand that program to five different cities next year. So we're really excited about that. Amazing. We also are known for creating jobs for folks. A lot of the people in our communities, the reason why they get caught up in recidivism and breaking the law again, because they don't have an opportunity to financially support themselves legally. So we create jobs for folks that may have been caught up in the criminal justice system or just might just not have any opportunities coming out of high school. It's a twofold approach to solving the traumatic issues that a lot of communities face and then creating jobs as well. This is spectacular. Are you guys familiar at all with Muse? The headset? Yeah. Yeah. It's a dope product. Okay, so I'm the founder of Muse. Really? Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> awesome. There's a fun study done with Muse that showed that using Muse decreased kids going to the detention by 75%. So I'm very with you on this research about the impact in schools. We can put, bring those in our mindful moment rooms, too, and have the kids could use them. Yeah, I would absolutely love that. So I remember hearing about you guys without knowing it was you about a decade ago. And a buddy of mine, John Kamak, was telling me about the amazing work that was being done in schools in Baltimore. 
And I kept my ear to the ground on what's going on in schools in Baltimore, because 10 years ago when mindfulness was not a big thing, that was the one shining example that people would point to. Like, there's this mindfulness thing happening in schools in Baltimore. And so what you've done really has had tremendous impact. Congratulations. I want to know more about when you brought it in, how did people respond to it? You've got a bunch of high school kids that are too cool for school. Like, how do you get them engaged in doing yoga without turning up their nose? So I think when we first started, it was a lot more difficult because you think 2002 yoga, mindfulness weren't as popular as they are now. Like now you can see mindfulness and yoga like on the cover of magazines when you're in the grocery store. So, I mean, it's out there now. Back then it was just, I think we had a lot of other enrichment programs that we were doing, particularly an after school program where we could get the kids to do yoga that way. But now I think it's a lot easier because people have heard of it. People have seen it. It's all over pop culture. And with the high school kids, I think it's speaking to their struggles. We don't do a lot of movement with high school kids. Like I'm saying, they want the practice to be kind of inconspicuous and where they're not being singled out or looking funny doing movement. So it's a lot of discussions. It's a lot of breath work. It's a lot of meditations. But speaking to what they're struggling with and then showing them practices from there and then they come back for more. I think the biggest part of what we do in the schools and why it's so impactful is the reciprocal teaching model we use. Like we train people to be teachers. When we went and went to our teacher, Uncle Will, and asked him to teach us the practices, he was like, well, I'll teach you guys, but you guys have to promise to teach as many people as possible. So I think that really informed the way that we teach. So we teach people to be teachers. When the kids start young, like that after school program, we were running it. It was nothing to see like a kindergartner up in the front of a room of like 90 people leading them through the sun salutations or like a meditation or a breath. So I think that's where the biggest impact comes because it's hard to get the parents into the building in a lot of neighborhoods we serve. But if we can send their kids out as teachers, then we impact the entire community. We always say like, if we go to school and work with 200 kids, that's a beautiful thing. But if we could turn those 200 kids into 200 teachers, then the practice gets out and the ripples are like exponential. There's no telling how far the practices will get out into the community. Amazing. Can you share a little bit about the kinds of transformations you've seen? Yeah. I mean, we've seen so many. There's one story we always say, we say it a lot, but it's such a beautiful story. It's a young lady that we were working with. She was in elementary school. She came up in a rough neighborhood and kids bullied her because she may not have had all the same material things that everyone did in terms of like a cool backpack or clothes, stuff like that. And lucky for her, her older brother knew how to box. So he showed her how to throw her hands a little something so she could protect herself pretty good. So we were always wondering why kids kept trying to pick on her because she would always be able to handle her business. But there was one day... We're walking around a corner in the elementary school, and it's the three of us and the principal. And we take the turn, and we see this young lady grabbing this girl and like throwing her up against the locker, right? And you can tell stuff's about to go down. And she like looks at this girl, and she turns her head and looks at us, and like looks at the girl again, looks at us, looks at the girl, and she's like, "You lucky I meditate." And she lets the girl down, and she like sits down and starts breathing. So it's powerful to see that difference and how. They can learn so quickly how to use these tools and techniques, like Atma said, to be aware of what's going on within themselves, to recognize those stressors, and then be able to use some of the techniques that we've shared with them, whether it's a meditation practice or a breath, to self-regulate and to bring them back into the present moment and back into balance. And countless times, we've seen kids do stuff like that. There's another situation that I always think of where kids are fighting, and you see them, and you break them up when they kid's heart is just beating out of their chest. And we'll say, hey, put your hand on your heart. And they can feel this just pumping and pumping and pumping. We're like, do the breath. And they're in sympathetic mode. So they're like, Hoo. we're like, no, do it through your nose, the way we showed you, belly breathing. And this 
slows down almost immediately and their eyes always open up and they're like, thank you. And we're always like, what you thanking me for? Like, we didn't do anything. You did that. It's so powerful to see a young individual learn that they do have control of themselves when they're in that heightened state. And we've been doing this for over 20 years now. So there's so many people that we bump into the streets after just doing programs for a few years. And they'll say stuff like, man, I still be doing the breathing. And they'll show us one of the little breathing exercises. They'll say, hey, you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for y'all. We don't take it on like that, honestly. Sometimes, I remember one time we did a presentation and we were introduced as these three gentlemen and saved countless lives. And we're like, whoa, whoa, we didn't save nobody's lives. All we do is remind people how to help them help themselves. So we're just here to share techniques that we even come up with because they've been around for thousands of years. We were just lucky to have amazing teachers with Ali, Abin's mom and Pops and our teacher, Uncle Will, who guided us in these techniques. And then we got into the practice ourselves and we saw the difference that it made to us. We were scientists like our teacher told us to be. And that's what we're passing on is reminding people that, hey, they have all the tools within themselves and they're capable of doing whatever they dream of. And it's just a matter of using these techniques when they're faced with adversity. Just to build off of what Andy was saying, we have countless stories of the transformation that happens in kids. I think that one of the biggest transformations that we've ever seen in adults was at the school. I was talking about the Mindful Moment program, the first school that we were at. Dr. Vance Benton invited us in there, who's now actually our COO of our organization, which is awesome. He believed in us so much and we saw what he can do. He's going to take our organization to the next level. But at his school, he said, yes, this mindfulness and yoga stuff is going to work. It's going to help these kids deal with their trauma, help them focus better in school. I want you guys program in my school. And a lot of the teachers weren't really feeling it. So we had a lot of teachers like when we came into the school to start implementing our program that like we had check in in the office and there would always be like a group of four or five teachers at the office desk and they would be talking. And then when Ali, Andy and I would come in there, they would be quiet. They'd be like, and we're like, man, we know y'all talking about us and our program and how it's getting on your nerves. And one of the main people that was part of the HLF hate crew was a gentleman that wore like all black and he hated his job and used to curse the kids out. And he would turn down the volume of our recording when it was played in the beginning and the end of the day. So he was not an advocate at first. And what we did in that program to get engagement with the recording is we would go around from room to room to room and actually personally lead each of the students through the practice. And that would get them more engaged and get a routine going where they would be more engaged with the recording. And when we went in there, we saw how the kids were disrespecting the teacher and we said something to him about it. You know, we were like, yo, y'all learning the skill. They were learning like 3D printing or CAD or, you know, something like that. And this teacher has a skill that will help you sustain yourself financially. Like y'all need to give him some respect. And the teacher was like, nobody ever stands up for me like this. And from that day forth, he would let the kids hear the recording. And then he started doing the practice. And then we started transforming. Like, it's not anything that you have to have faith in as far as these practices work. And they work. Like, that's the science of these practices is if you do them, they work. And when we started seeing him in school, he started giving us hugs. He was like, hey, we were like, what's going on here? And then he went from wearing all black to wearing like floral print Hawaiian shirts and all this type of stuff. And the funniest part of that story is 
the woman that she was looking through our paperwork and saw that we were at a school. And she was like, well, my ex-fiance works at that school and he was a mean SOB. And we were like, who are you talking about? And then she said, the guy that transformed. And we were like, oh, you need to call him. Like, he is completely changed. Like, he's into yoga and meditation. She was like, what? So she ended up calling him and then coming back and finishing our audit. And she was like, man, if this man was this man back then, we would be married right now. This is exactly who I wanted him to be and why we weren't together. But now I'm married and I can't do anything. And now he still has a practice and he's still teaching. He was going to retire, what was that, 10 years ago. And now he's still teaching in the schools. Amazing. That's an absolutely awesome story. If only we got to them younger. Ellie, do you have some stories that stick with you from being in the field? I think some of my favorite stories are when our students started to come back to teach. That was never a plan of what we were doing. We were just going to like work with the kids until they went off into life. And then like a lot of them that went to college or just went to high school and stayed around in the city, they started to come back and they started to volunteer and they started to work with the kids. And it was amazing to see like the kids that were like the troublemakers. They were the troublemakers. They were the ones that were starting fights. They were the ones that were doing a lot of wild stuff. And now they had gotten so deeply and like steeped in their practice that they came back to actually work with the kids because they saw what we were able to empower them with and they wanted to empower other kids with the same thing. So I think that'll always be one of the biggest highlights to me is seeing some of our young people out teaching the practice and sharing with other people. Amazing. So if I'm a parent, which I am, I'm probably thinking, how do I get this program in my school? Please tell us. I'd say reaching out to us because we're always looking for new places to expand to. We've done trainings and workshops and things along those lines around the world. And it definitely helps the kids. And the good thing about it is, like I was saying earlier, like the kids go home and they teach their parents. So the parents will benefit too. So I guess just reaching out to us, info at hlfinc.org. Like if you shoot us an email, like where you are, and we can get someone to reach back out to you and we can get the process started. Because like I said, we do travel all over the world and we do love empowering people with the practice like our whole like from the beginning we've always thought that our training model was going to be we want to go and teach people so they don't need us anymore like that's always been what it is it's not about us being teachers it's about empowering people with the practice and turning them into teachers amazing how many schools are you currently in it's a bunch that's a great question we're in schools in baltimore city and in the surrounding counties we're in a bunch of schools on the aquasasne uh, mohawk territory and the surrounding counties up here then there's a bunch of schools that we've trained for people to be able to facilitate our programs as well. Gary, Indiana, there's a bunch of places where we're facilitating programs now. And you guys right now are actually visiting one of your programs in upstate New York. I see in the background, you've got beautiful trees and you're in someplace gorgeous and foresty. Tell us about the program that you're actually visiting here and what you've seen. We have a partnership currently with a Mohawk reservation in Aquasasne in the Aquasasne Territory. So it's right on the border of New York and Canada. And this is our satellite program. This is one of the first ones we really fully implemented where we brought two of our staff members to come here. They live full time for a little while. And we got a local individual who is our program director. And they found individuals here around the community on the res who we started training in our techniques, our practices. Again, stuff that it's not ours and that we made it up, but just techniques that we use in our curriculum. And they're basically facilitating the same type of programs that we do all over the nation. So they're going into schools in three different districts, I believe now. They go into adult programming, so mental health facilities, drug rehabilitation centers, 
any adult programming community centers that we can get ourselves into. They're basically like a micro model of what we've done throughout the nation. And it's been extremely successful. This is our fourth year. Fourth year. Yeah. And it's doing great. It's amazing. It's beautiful to see how they've incorporated a lot of our practices and they integrate a lot of their cultural influences in them. So when they're leading a meditation, for example, we often get people to focus on the light and they get people to focus on smoke because that's part of what they do. And the way that they took Abin has this amazing loving kindness practice that he leads. It's just extremely powerful. And just yesterday, we were at a community center and one of the teachers or students, one of our faculty there, they led it and her voice was just, it was so beautiful. And the way she took Abin's, it's like, I'm here in Abin, but with twist. And it was so amazing to see the influence it's making. And the other day, it was really impactful. We were in a high school and one of our staff members, he used to work for like a tobacco company and he did not like his job then because he felt like he was doing a disservice to his community. And it was a, like an employment fair. And he's talking to the students and he's trying to be like, hey, you know, y'all shouldn't get with us. You know, we can help you out. You can help your community out. And it was so beautiful to hear him say, he's like, you not only do you get a, a job, it's cool and you get money in your pocket. He's like, but you're able to make an influence, like an impact on your community. He's like, that's what I love the most. He's like, my job before, I felt like I was doing a disservice to my community. And now when I come out here, yeah, I get a paycheck, but I'm helping people. And he's like, that's what really, really inspires me and makes me really love the work that we're doing here. And it was so powerful to hear them say that. And I was driving with them to another program the other day. And I shared how much that impacted me. And you could tell he's like glowing. He's like, wow, thank you. I'm like, man, thank you. You're the one doing it. So ideally, hopefully we can keep spreading the satellite program throughout the nation and throughout the world. And like Ali said, homegrown solutions. So we go in, we can get the ball rolling, get them started, and then we can pull ourselves out so that we're not needed. And they can, within their community, build this compassionate, loving space, this container that will uplift humanity and help people help themselves. Tell me a little bit more about the passionate, loving container. When you think about inner city schools, you're not really thinking about compassionate, loving containers. Tell me about how that's built and how that's been able to transform. Take me into it. I can start off. A lot of people look down on inner city communities, honestly, because they seem like they don't care about their community because it's trash everywhere, or they don't care about their teachers or their friends because they're so ignorant to their teachers during school time. And they are really quick to start a fight. And the thing is, people don't realize is like, it's hard to get people, not just kids, but people in general to love anybody, love their neighborhood, love their teacher, love their peers if they don't love themselves. So that's where we start with that container within each of the kids that we work with. We get them to tap into loving themselves. A lot of people go all throughout life without getting that inner foundation full of self-love and knowing what, how to get back there and create that inner peace within. I think that's where it starts because the other part of this is that creating that inner peace within goes a long way with the communities that we work with because their outward environment is pretty chaotic. So if they have a tool to tap into that inner peace, it can help them navigate the highs and lows of life. And once these kids start loving themselves, like Andy was saying, the empathy wakes up in them and they start seeing other people struggling or other people fighting and they'll go help support them, help break up fights. Then from there, they start loving their environment. We started doing community cleanups. We've created raised bed gardens because we're living in food deserts. And it all starts, though, from that foundation of love of self. And once they tap into that, it 
totally opens their world up and totally creates that container within themselves. And that loving container reverberates out from there and it impacts the school, community, family, you know, all that type of stuff. Ali, I remember you had a great story on Sharon Salzberg's podcast in the genre. Can you share it with us? Yeah. So there was one point we were living in the neighborhood that we were serving. So it was just like constantly on call, like 24 seven, we were on call with our students and they would meet on our porch, just hang out there. Like if we had the program, if we didn't, like our porch became where they hung out. They were like elementary and middle school kids. I mean, it's awesome in theory until they start breaking your neighbor's stuff. So they were like, they messed up her porch. They messed up her car. And like one day they're like, something happened. I think somebody got chased. They broke something on our car and our neighbor cursed us out. I mean, she was pissed. She was like, oh, he's got these kids around. So it was like a huge thing. It was a huge scene. And then the kid that was responsible, he was kind of a jerk about it. So I gave him a little bit of a, just had to check him a little bit. Because he was like one of those, as Charlie Murphy would say, he was a habitual line stepper. He constantly like pushed the limits. So it was just like, we had to get him in check. And the next day he didn't show up. I was like, the kids were sitting around. I was like, well, where is he at? And they were like, well, you got mad at him and he's not coming back. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. I love him. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? I was like, well, you can't say love. You can't just say that. And I was like, what do you mean? I love all of y'all. They were like, ew, you just can't go around saying you love people. And they were like, it was crazy because these are the same kids that would curse in front of us all the time. Like they had no problem cursing. But me telling them I love that kid and loved all of them was the weird thing. So that was like how we had to really shift the narrative of what love really meant and what it looked like. Because when they looked at it and really thought about it and saw how we treated them and each other and ourselves, it was with love. So then it was like, seeing that whole group shift to like one of the students that works for us now was in that group. We've known him since the second grade. Now he's like a father of two sets of twins. He's teaching yoga out in the community and drug treatment centers and homeless shelters and mental crisis facilities. But that kid, after all that went down, I think it was like probably start when he was in like middle school or high school, whenever he would call us, he would always end the conversation with, I love you. And if he forgot, he would call us back and like, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you, I love you. I remember the other day, me and him were because we still talk all the time it was like two weeks ago we were talking and i don't know like one of his kids ran up on him or something he had to hang up the phone and i called him back and i was like ramon you don't love me anymore he was like what i was like man we have been talking for decades and every time he's like oh man i'm sorry ali it was like well i still love you even though even though if you don't love me anymore and he just busts out laughing but yeah they do love us i think it is about creating a safe space to love and, and letting kids know what love really is because Love isn't a physical thing. It has nothing to do with physical attraction. Love is like an energetic and a spiritual connection that you have with someone. It doesn't have to be your romantic partner. And I think that's a lot of what they were equating love to. But I think just us embodying it and then starting to understand what it was. And then like Atmos saying, starting to connect to themselves. Then they start to understand what love is and they see the strength in love and how it takes. It's more difficult to love than it is to hate. Hate is easy. Love is takes some real effort and some strength. So I think once they really understood all that, then like love became the cool way to be. Amazing. Got some questions for you. Have you guys tried Muse? I have. I don't know if the fellas have. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I tried it uh, a couple times. Awesome. What were your experiences with it? I thought it was dope. I have a meditation practice, so every day I get it in a little something. But I I thought it was a great technique. I think it'd be very, very beneficial, especially like in our mindful moment room. So kids can get a chance to see how they can actually... feel like it allows you to really see what the meditation is doing, where sometimes feeling it may not be as impactful. So to actually like see it, the difference that's going on, I think is very empowering. My oldest son's used it too, and he likes it too. 
Yeah, one of the things that we've found, so I'm going to give you guys muses to put in your mindful moment rooms or use however you want. One of the things that we've really found is with specifically with kids who have difficulty buying into meditation, this is a way to make it really obvious. It's like, oh, this is your brain. Clearly, this is doing something. So meditation isn't just some weird airy fairy thing. Thank you. Thank you for that, for just the work and what you created. It's so powerful. I know it's making such an amazing impact on the world. Thank you. Yeah, we're all in the same mission. So however we can help and support each other to get the word out, to help and support other people, I'm totally in. Thank you. So I wish we had time to do Atman's amazing compassion and love practice. I want to hear it. Since we don't have time, I would actually love to invite you guys to do a recording of it and we can put it out in the Muse app and the Meditation Studio app and share it through that way. I'm super excited about being able to share your perspectives on life because we are all those little kids stuck in school, frustrated about things, not knowing how to self-regulate, not really understanding the power of love. This is a universal story for each and every one of us. So I want to do everything I can to help bring you guys into the schools up here in Canada and wherever, and to be able to share what you do widely with the world. So thank you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate this conversation and you having us on here. It's really an honor. Yeah. Thank you so much. Peace and love and looking forward to connecting in person. Yeah. Thank you. Now remind everybody where they can find you. So you can check us out on hlfinc.org. That's our website. You can email us at info at hlfinc.org. Instagram's at Holistic Life Foundation. I think our Twitter's at hlfinc. Facebook's Holistic Life Foundation. Awesome. So all of that information will be in the show notes. And if anybody wants to volunteer to be a teacher in your community or know somebody who wants a job passing on these practices inside of your own communities, I'm sure the three guys on the line would love to hear from you. I know I'm pretty inspired. Definitely. Yeah. Info at hlfinc.org. Hit us up. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andreas, Ali, and Atman. You can find them at hlfinc.org. And that thing that we're talking about at the end, Muse. What it is, it is a brain-sensing headband that helps you meditate. And it really, really works. It makes meditation easy. If you're somebody who does not have a meditation practice and you want to start, Muse actually gives you real-time feedback on your meditation to let you know when you're doing it right, when you're really meditating. And if you have an existing practice, even if you're an expert meditator, Muse gives you new insights into your meditation and allows you to take your practice to new places with actual feedback from your own brain, breath, heart, and body. It's awesome. We also find kids love it. If you've got a teen and you want to get them meditating, Muse is awesome because it really shows them what's going on when they meditate. It's not this weird airy-fairy thing. It's actually real data that says, yes, you're meditating now. And they also get rewards, little birds, badges, things that make it feel gamified and fun. We often find when a mom brings Muse into her house, the kids start using it. Dad, who's never meditated before, now likes this cool gadget and he takes it and all of a sudden he has a meditation practice. Mom loves it, gets one for Christmas for her sister, and now everybody's meditating 
and the kids are coming up saying, hey, I got so many birds. Oh, I got all these things. Meditation's great. True story really happens. If you want to learn more about what we're talking about, you can find out more at choosemuse.com and use the discount code UNTANGLE50. Wishing everybody a wonderful and mindful week.